Greetings to each one. Good to be here at Oasis. I'm not sure when the last time was, but <laughs> good to be here. Before we get into the message, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you at the beginning of this message. We do seek your face. We do ask for your anointing, your blessing upon us as we look into your word. Pray that as we look into the word, we would be able to apply what we hear to our own hearts. We know that we are needy people. We need you. We need your help. So, Lord, just pray your blessing upon us this morning. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was thinking what I should share this morning, I... My thoughts went in the direction of this being a new year. Um, you know what it's like when we get to the end of the year. There's always things that we want to finish up. Uh, we look back and we say, <clears throat> what can we do different? What can we do better? And uh, thinking about it's a reminder of the movement of time. And here we are. It's the end of the year again. A new year is starting. And it doesn't seem that long uh, since the last year. (laughs) And I guess having said that, uh, I'm responsible for making uh, the schedules at Harmony. I guess, Neil, you might have that job. But it just seems like that comes up. just seems like last week I did it and it's time to do it again. But how the time moves ahead. So uh, some of the questions we ask, what what can I do to make improvements? Uh, What needs to be adjusted? What needs to be changed? Another reason to look back, and that's a little bit more my challenge this morning, is let's look back. And see what God has done for us in the past. Um, God is faithful. He is good. What has he done for me in the past? And as I look back and see what God has done, it gives me courage for the new year to look forward. So for a title, I was pondering, could go a couple different ways. But remembering God's faithfulness is... The one title that I had, I think that's the one we'll use. In the message, I like to look back and also look forward. So in looking forward, that part, um, I would like to ask the questions, what are God's requirements for me? What what, What can I do that I can be pleasing to God? Let's turn to Micah, chapter 6. Can have some water? Uh, Micah, chapter 6, is what I would like to look at. Uh, Verse 8 is the verse that draws my attention to Micah 6. This is a verse that my father loved 
He quoted it. He quoted it often. So it's one that I remember. Micah 6, verse 8. He has shewed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. So, I look at a verse like that and I say, okay, what is the context? I like to look back and see the setting. Um, at this point in time in Israel's history, if I have it right, Micah was one of the minor prophets and Israel was, had turned her backs on God. They had turned their backs on God, and uh, they were being challenged. Why? Why did you turn your back on God? Uh, let's let's read <clears throat> from the beginning uh, down through here, and then we'll go back over and look at the passage. Micah six verse one: Hear ye now what the Lord saith: Arise, contend thou before the mountains, and let the hills hear thy voice. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and ye strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. O my people, what have I done unto thee, and wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, consulted, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Shittim unto Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. So we see uh, several different uh, focuses here as we go down through uh Let's go back to verse 1. Hear ye. He's wanting to get the attention of the people. Hear ye now what the Lord saith. And who is it? Who is it that is speaking? It's Jehovah. The Lord saith. Arise. Don't just sit, meander around. He says, rise. I need your attention. Contend thou before the mountains and let the hills hear thy voice. Uh, Verse 2 says, the Lord has a controversy. He has something to challenge them with. Uh, Controversy. The word contend in verse 1. Contend thou before the mountains. He has something. And again, later in in verse 2, the Lord has a controversy with his people. And he will plead with them. He's saying, I have something to challenge you with. I have something I want to 
for you to give an answer to. And I, as I look at this, he calls, who does he call to be, come into this controversy? Contend thou before the mountains. Let the hills hear thy voice. The mountains, and verse 2 says, the strong foundations of the earth. Uh, I got the picture of a courtroom. Something was up for challenge, for debate. And here we have, I don't know what all the terms would be, but we have the judge and we have the, the parties. And uh, God is what has a controversy, a challenge for the people of Israel. And it's almost like he's saying uh, mountains, hills, foundations of the earth. You be a witness against me and my people. We have a controversy. I have something to challenge my people with. It seems a little... Uh, yeah, God is calling nature to witness. Uh, Think of the phrase, if, if we do not give praise to God, the, the stones will cry out. This time he's saying, stones, you listen and speak and tell us who's right. Ye strong foundations of the earth. So the Lord hath a controversy with his people and he will plead with Israel. He's speaking to his own people, not not the world, not somebody out there, but it's his own people. And just the word plead, I will plead with my people. It's a challenge, but he's pleading. He's not coming with a, a heavy hand. He is pleading for them. Would you please listen? Wake up. I have something to ask you. Verse 3, I believe this is now God's words to his people. O my people, what have I done unto thee? In what way have I done something to trip you up? Have I done anything to cause you to turn out of the way, to cause you to turn to idols? What have I done to thee? Wherein have I wearied thee? Did I make you weary with everything that I ask of you? Did I make you weary um, of all that I told you to do? Testify against me. <clears throat> Please. What what are you what's the problem? Why why do you turn your back on me? So he's asking them to answer in the courtroom and asking for a testimony. And then verse 4, he gives them a challenge. Look at what I have done for you. It's time for you to remember what I did for you. I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. He brought them up out of Egypt. They had gone down into Egypt and became a a mighty people there. But they were being slaves. But God came along and made a way 
so that they could be taken out of that slavery. Redeem thee out of the house of servants. They were released out of slavery. Think about what all went on there at that time. Uh, the ten plagues. And all the, all the process that went was, they went through there. In, uh, preparing the people of Egypt and Pharaoh to say, you can go, please get moving. We don't want you here anymore. And then, as they were coming out of Egypt, he gave leadership to them. I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. That was not a small thing. Uh, somebody needed to lead the way. And God did provide that. In verse 5, <clears throat> more of things to remember. Remember what? Balak, king of Moab, consulted. What did Balak want to do? He wanted the people of Israel cursed, right? And he was doing all he could in his power to have the people of God um, to have a curse on them. Because he, he was afraid of what would happen to uh, the Moabites. And Balaam, what Balaam's answer was. How many times was it that Balaam uh, testified? Was it three or four times? I'm not sure. But every time, what did he do? He gave a blessing, right? And God was the one that put those words in Balaam's mouth. Was Balaam a Jew? Was Balaam a Jew? I don't think so. But he had God speaking to him because it was his people Israel, I believe, and uh, did pronounce a blessing on them. Let's turn back to Numbers 22. Just it's interesting. Yes, we know these stories, but it's good to go back and look at what happened. Just to refresh the story in our, our minds. Chapter 22, I think we'll begin reading at the beginning of the chapter. The children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. Notice how that the Moabites were trembling because of what God had done for them. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field and Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time 
He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pether, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, come from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. You see that? Isn't that interesting? They are too mighty for me. He recognized that God was with them. Peradventure, I shall prevail that we may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land. For what that he whom thou blessest is blessed and him whom thou cursest is cursed. Speaking to Balaam. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse them, curse me them. Peradventure, I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. I'm going to stop reading there. We could read on. We know the story. But just interesting to see Balak and his trembling, see what um, the people of Israel, what they had been through and now Balak was trembling and how that Balaam gave a blessing. And we say, God was in this. God was in it. Now, let's go back to our passage again. Verse 5, remember now what Balak king of Moab consulted and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him. And now at this point, I guess I'm going to argue a little bit with uh, the punctuation of the King James here. Um, It makes it look like Balaam Balaam and Balak had something going on from Shittim to Gilgal. But no, Shittim was in Moab, which was where Balak was king. But they did not go from Shittim to Gilgal. The children of Israel did. Anybody familiar? Uh, I saw that phrase. It's in here for a reason. What happened? And the, next, the phrase that made me dig all the more is, the next phrase says that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Now, what is here that you can see the righteousness of the Lord? What happened? Shittim to Gilgal. Anybody know? Anybody search it out? I, it was very interesting to me. Shittim was the last place they were 
before they crossed Jordan. Gilgal was the first camp on the other side of the crossing of the Jordan. So, let's take a look at that. And this was the, probably the most interesting part of my studies for this message. The, it would be better read in verse 5 here. Uh, Baal and the son of Beor answered him. And then the events from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. So we're going to look at what happened. Uh, Shittim was in Moab. Uh, and Gilgal was across Jordan. There's there's some something to we can liken these things to our spiritual lives as well. I'm not sure if I'm going to. Let's look at what happened here. Shittim was a type of the wilderness. Gilgal was a type of the promised land. In Shittim, they had manna. When they left Shittim, the manna stopped. They got into Gilgal and they ate real food. This was a very monumental time. Moses was a leader up to this point. Then we have Joshua stepping in. And you could look at Joshua as a type of Jesus. Let's turn and look in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 is where... Chapter 1, we have the death of Moses. Uh, that had happened. And Joshua was taking leadership. Chapter 1 is pretty much summed up by be strong and of a good courage. Take your place as a leader. Chapter 2 speaks of the spies being sent ahead. And then chapter 3. We're going to read here. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. They were That was their last camp. They moved to Jordan. He and the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. Now, why did they spend three days when it was time to go across the Jordan? Good question. I think I heard someone say so that they could see the what they had to cross. They just spent three days looking at Jordan. This Jordan was large. It was over the banks. It was flood time. How do we get from here to there? Three days. And they commanded, verse 3, the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Now, what is 
What do you see in the Ark of the Covenant? Why was that special? Why was the Ark of the Covenant special? Presence of God. Exactly. So here we have the presence of God. When you see God moving, get up, follow. Go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. We have not passed this coming year ahead of us, have we? But as we see God's move, let's follow. Okay. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, That's exciting. The living God is among you. And that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now, what was happening here was to give, to build something in the hearts of the Israelites that he was going to take care of all of their, those other nations that they were coming into. If God can make a way through this water, he can take care of those nations. Hereby, verse 10 says, Hereby you shall know the living God is among you because of what is just happening. Therefore, you will be able to face your enemies. Verse 12. <clears throat> now, therefore, take ye, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every one, every tribe, a man. And that one in there, I did not make connection with. Um, reference again to the twelve men comes over in chapter 4. But. Verse 13, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above and shall stand upon a heap. I'm not sure what that looked like. We have a flowing river and all of a sudden it stops and all this water flowing How big of a heap did it give? I don't know. (laughs) But I'm sure it made an impression. It was it was a miracle, of course. Verse 
And verse 14, it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. And the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is, beside Zeratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed or cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the, co- the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people that were passed clean over Jordan. There's another miracle. I look at, you ever stepped into a river or body of water? Uh, take the water away. What do you have? You have dry ground? No, mud. <laughs> they passed over on dry ground. They stood firm on dry ground. It wasn't mushy. Dry ground until all the people were passed over. Let's keep on reading. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua saying, let's stop a little bit. It's mentioned it before and here again, clean passed over. Two different meanings could be had there. means everybody, clean, everybody. Do you think their feet were clean? I think they were. They were clean. Two different ways to look at it. Take ye twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe and man. Command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every man a tribe. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign unto you that when your children ask your fathers in the time to come saying what mean ye by these stones then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off from before the ark of the covenant of the Lord When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Let's stop there. Think about this memorial that was set up. Twelve stones taken out of Jordan and set up on dry ground. And the children see this memorial and say, what What happened? Do you think that uh, there were some excited answers? What did God do for us? That river, we walked through there. Those stones were from the middle. Now they're here. We're, all of Israel is over here. This is a testimony, what God has done. 
So, that was exciting to me to think about that. Um, children ask about something, maybe something we have done or something we do, but it's a memorial, and we can then share with them what God has done. So, <clears throat> it's good to share with our children what God has done for us. Now, do we have a little more of a a little bit of a glimpse into what that phrase at the end in Micah 6, back to our text. That ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. That ye may know how right God is. Um, think about righteousness. God is right. Sometimes we think, I'm right. God, do you know what you're talking about? Or do we say, okay, you're right, and I want to be where you want me to be. Instead of me saying, I I don't agree. Let's look back and say God has helped. God has given direction in the past. And let's have some faith rise up in our hearts to go on in the future. You may know the righteousness of the Lord. There's a verse, passage somewhere that talks about uh, the children of Israel were having a problem. Uh, they were complaining, saying God's ways are not equal. But God says, my ways are equal, yours are unequal. So, let's think about God being right. And what do I need to adjust to fit into that rightness? <clears throat> now, back to our passage in Micah 6. We just looked at those things that we should look back to. And the challenge that God was giving Israel. Verse 6 changes. I believe now this is a response of the ones being spoken to. Verse 6 says, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord? It sounds like, okay, how am I supposed to come before the Lord? I recognize that I've been wrong. I've gone the wrong way. But what can I do? How can I come before the Lord? Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Notice the attitude. I don't think this attitude was present when God came with the controversy. But the attitude, wherewith shall I come I want to bow myself before the high God. Um, in verse 7, will the Lord be pleased? We want to be pleasing. A little a different attitude here. And recognizing who is he bowing before the, the high God. Not just, yeah, he is God, but he is the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? 
what can I do? I, I need to do something. I need to give an offering. What did God say? Who did he say it to? To obey is better than sacrifice. That was King Saul, wasn't it? King Saul had not done what he was asked to do, but he said to obey is better than sacrifice. Will God be pleased with with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Think about the magnitude of what was being offered here. If this is an individual responding, such an offering was way out of proportion, I guess you would say. If it was the people of Israel, okay, well, maybe. But think about, is that what God is requiring? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my soul? fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. The firstborn, uh, think about what happened back in Egypt. The firstborn was the ones that were taken in the Egyptians' households, the children of Israel. They were, they had the blood on the, on the doorpost, the lintel, and the path, they passed the death angel passed over. So that firstborn uh, was redeemed or ransomed by an offering, by a sacrifice. So, shall I give my firstborn? And we look on and say, no. The heathen nations did that. Caused their children to pass through the fire. But that wasn't God's way. Then in verse 8. He hath shewed thee, O man, what is good. He hath shewed thee, O man, what is good. Were they, were the children of Israel in darkness or didn't know what God wanted? Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Very interesting. Deuteronomy 10 and starting at verse 12. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord require of thee? Were they in darkness? Did they know? (laughs) They had it. But to fear the Lord thy God to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that is therein. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. 
He doth, ex- he doth execute judgment of the fatherless and widow. And loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Thou shalt, him shalt thou serve and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. He is thy praise and he is thy God that hath done for thee great these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. I think I'll stop there. <clears throat> he hath shewed thee, O man, what is good. He did give direction. And then he gives it in his own words here. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. We had said, what is good? What does the Lord require of thee? To obey is better than sacrifice. There's more things that are more important than the sacrifice. That is the posture of our hearts. Just another uh, little note here. And what does the Lord require? It's okay. And God does require things of us. He does give us requirements. But what does he require? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? What does he require? Does he ask for burnt offerings, calves, 10,000 rams, rivers of oil? To give my firstborn. No. His requirements are. Do justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly with thy God. Do justly. Isaiah 1. 16. I'd like to just look at some. Scriptures that. Lift up each one of these things here. Isaiah 1 and verse 16. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. That is doing justly. And to love mercy. We're in Isaiah. I guess we'll go to chapter 58. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 is a chapter on fasting. And we can catch a little bit of God's heart. We look here. Verses 6 and 7. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. 
Love mercy. Mercy, uh, I guess what I'm trying to think of a good way to uh, say it. Mercy does not think about myself. Mercy thinks about others. Have mercy. To undo heavy burdens. Deal thy bread to the hungry. Bring the poor to thy house. Cover the naked and hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Keep your finger in Isaiah. We're going to come back to Isaiah real close here. But I'd like to look at a verse, if you want, First Peter. First Peter 3, verse 8. <coughs> to love mercy. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Many other verses in that context there, but... To love mercy. And then the next one is to walk humbly with thy God. We're in Isaiah. Let's turn back to chapter 57. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. That's He is a high God. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Walk humbly with thy God. We need to be humble for us to be in fellowship with God. Humble and contrite. Contrite and humble spirit. Chapter 66 of Isaiah and verse 2. For all those things hath mine hands made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Now, my finger's still in Peter. Second Peter, chapter 5. Second Peter 5, verse 5. Whoops, that don't work. Second Peter don't have five chapters. First Peter. First Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Walking humbly with God. You notice in there what happens. We are walking with God. We cast our care upon him, for he careth for you. Okay, let's let's look back over and think about what about us? We looked at the children of Israel and we made some uh, some connections to our own lives. Let's think about what God has done 
in the past, in the last, let's look back, last year or further. We recognize him as being the one that is right. We need to adjust to him, not asking him to adjust to us. He's brought us out of Egypt. He has led us along. He has brought us to Jordan. He has filled us with his spirit. And he has parted waters for us, different ways, different people. Do we have faith to move on? To look ahead and say, as God has led in the past, he will lead us in the future. So we remember God's righteousness, his faithfulness. And then, once again, what does the Lord require of us? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with him. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you just now. We we look back and see what you have done for us in the past. We recognize your greatness. And we come in humility. We, hear, we uh, think of the words. We hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. It's our desire to walk with you in an humble way. We just trust you and pray that you would continue to lead us as we go on from here. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.